Good morning. Good to be with you. <clears throat> I'll be reading from Genesis 1, 28 through 31, and Genesis 2, 1 through 3. <clears throat> and God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill... Fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over everything that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. God, our Heavenly Father, I thank you for the reading of your word. Now, Lord, we ask that you you be with Aaron as he brings us the message, and that we open our ears to hear what he has to say as he interprets this, the scriptures. And God, we thank you in your son's name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Phil. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Well, Kristen and I, we got back yesterday, the office could be dismissed, uh, from a pastors and wives encouragement retreat. Uh, as a ministry, they just love to bless New England pastors. Uh, and I used to call this trip a free trip. Well, last week I mentioned it to someone in the church and they graciously reminded me it was not free. We've all heard it. Nothing in this world is free, right? Royal Caribbean, we went on a cruise, so you might see me like wobble a little bit. I'm still getting my land legs back. But Royal Caribbean is not a nonprofit organization. Uh, someone worked to make it possible for our family uh, and 99 other couples to go away for a few days. Today, we will consider work as wisdom. And so it was a good reminder for me. I hope this message, as we looked at Genesis 1 and 2 a little bit, to set the stage of what we'll see in our sermon in Proverbs, of what Proverbs has to say about work. Our reading in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, uh, I think we can come out of that and define work as just getting things done. In creation, God worked. And as Phil read, it was good. In creation, God then commanded Adam and Eve to work. Be fruitful, be, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over it. Adam was to follow God's example and work and cultivate the garden, to work in a covenant between Adam and God. And if Adam broke his end of the covenant, we're familiar with it, right? Do not eat of that one tree. But if he did, there would be consequences. 
Now, at the end of the six first six days of creation, on the seventh day, as Phil read, God rested from his work because he is God to remind us, friends, that we are not God. God wasn't tired, but God knew that we eventually would be. And so he sets the stage to remind us, as I hinted last week, that everything we're seeing in our study in the book of Proverbs, I think is pointing us back to Genesis 1 through 3. Our role in living in a world corrupted by the fall. So we find ourselves today, as we're going to survey the book of Proverbs, in a world that is affected by the fall. Sin entered in Genesis chapter 3. And look how work changed. In Genesis 3, 17 to 19, after Adam and Eve sinned, God goes to them, and this is what God said. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and you have eaten of the tree of which I have commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all your days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Do you see the challenge, right? Pain, thorns, thistles, sweat are all aspects of the curse as a result of sin. And the overarching theme of all of Scripture is creation, fall, and then redemption. And so this morning, we are going to consider work in light of those three themes, creation, fall, and redemption. So would you pray with me as we ask the Spirit to help us as we consider work as wisdom, understood in light of this overarching great story of Scripture. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to gather, an opportunity to be submitted to you and your word that you would teach us, rebuke us, correct us, and train us in righteousness. God, we ask that you would help us to consider your good creation and how you've called us all to work. But God, we live in a world affected by sin, and so it's hard. We don't want to do it. Uh, it's not fun all the time. Uh, it's not worshipful all the time. And so God, would you correct our thinking and, and give us inclination and affection towards working as you would call us to work and to live. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. And so... Proverbs is going to lead us through a time to hearken back to the conditions prior to the fall of what work looked like. Genesis 1, 28, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. The task of Genesis 1 was to fill up not only the sacred space of Eden, but to then take the blessings and the glory and the greatness of what was in Eden to the rest of the world. God's perfect and good creation, God's people were to take abroad and to take outside of Eden. And this subdue is to exercise effort, to put forth effort, to make forceful control, to cultivate 
creation. And this is what theologians call the creation or cultural mandate. That we are all given, all people, to be fruitful, multiply, and to subdue and have dominion over the earth. God was calling Adam and Eve to act and behave in a certain way towards his creation that he left them as stewards, which we talked about last week. Created to work and to steward and to care for God's perfect creation, Adam and Eve were to be workers in God's garden from the very beginning, before, fall, before sin entered the world. But as we know, fall, the fall disrupted things. And Proverbs 16.3 gives us our first reminder of our call. It says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Adam and Eve didn't remember God's call, God's command to them to commit their effort to God, to trust God in His words that it is good and His plans worth following. They committed to works of lies and they paid the consequence that we still pay today. Work now would be different, cursed as part of the covenant of works, right? Adam was said, do this, don't do that. If you do violate it, there would be consequences. This is the curses from Genesis 3.16. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. And as I read already, Adam 17 and 19, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all your days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken... For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So you ladies who've had children know the pain of childbirth. It's called labor for a reason. It's not easy, right? I've been told. Thorns and thistles, or stinging nettle. They bring forth and make work outside hard, too. The creation mandate for childbearing and work will now be affected and changed to be more painful. It'll be accomplished in a world inflicted by sin and the fall. But the mandate doesn't change. The management that we are tasked with having does change. Proverbs 24, 10 to 12 elaborates on this. If you faint in the day of your adversity, your strength is small. Rescue those who are being taken away from death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, Behold, we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? By his work, Adam was judged. We're familiar with Romans 6.23, where Paul says, The wages of sin is what? death. The wages of our work prior to redemption is death. Work continues. Some of you may feel like your work is like death every day. But 623 finishes. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The covenant of works purchased our death. The covenant of grace purchased our salvation and eternal life. But work remains. Delivered from the penalty and the power of sin, we still function in a world inflicted with sin's presence. And Proverbs helps us to work in light of these things. Work is hard, 
But in light of our redemption made possible through the gospel, the good news that God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, redemption recapitulates works meaning. It changes how we approach work. And that's where we'll spend the rest of our term. Work was in creation, affected by the fall, and work continues as we are redeemed. Proverbs encourages us in four ways for redeemed work. It'll remain hard. It should be honest, honorable, and holy. More than anything else, Proverbs emphasizes the first one. It's going to continue to be hard when our sinful tendencies to laziness get in the way. Proverbs 10.45, a slack hand causes poverty, poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summers is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Or 12.11, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. 12.27, whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. Or 13.4, the soul of a sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of a diligent is richly supplied. How about one more? 14.4, where there is no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. Diligence. Persistence, endurance are characteristics of hard work that we need to give effort to moving forward in our lives. In a world inflicted by sin, we need reminders of God's way of work. Proverbs says, be diligent. Don't give up. Persevere. Don't throw in the towel. And our temptation, because we're sinful as well, is to ignore the creation mandate because it's hard. And it's harder now as a result of sin. Now, hard work will come with thorns and thistles and aches and pains and unreasonable bosses and unrealistic deadlines, government regulations, taxes. It's not surprising that many in our world don't want to work these days, is it? But the sluggard and the lazy ones are both reprehensible to God. One cannot fulfill our role to work and be unwilling to work. At the same time, many of you love your jobs. I do. Some don't understand how you can love a job. And I understand that too. The world likes to compensate though to overcome some of those challenges. I think this is a good thing. This God has created it for us to be paid. A labor is due one's wages. I was talking to a guy on the cruise ship and he was working with some recruiting for the military. And it's amazing. He was telling me, you know, the, the difficult and the challenging jobs, it's hard to get recruits to say, I want to do that one. And what do they do to overcome that? Bonuses. You get the difficult job, but you get a bonus to get compensated to have a desire to do that. Paul told Timothy, as we saw in our survey this spring, that a laborer deserves his or her wages. Deuteronomy 25.4 says, You shall not muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain. Feed the animal to keep them working. Paying employees will keep them working. If you don't like the pay you're getting, it's okay to maybe ask for more or to maybe go look for a different job, or you could just stay there and be a diligent worker. We'll get to that shortly. Work is hard. We can all agree on that, right? But the Bible says 
that income is a blessing and helps us to steward the resources that God has entrusted to our care that we talked about last week. Okay, so if I need a brain surgery, I would want the skilled, highly compensated surgeon who knows what he's doing. He's got a lot of hours and experience. We're not doing no holiday and express surgeries, right? I want a pilot who's skilled in training that's done a lot of flights, right? He's been through the good times and he's been through the bad times. And I think we would all gladly pay a little bit more to make sure that when our flight leaves one place, it gets to the other place safely. Proverbs 19.15, slothfulness casts into a deep sleep and an idle person will suffer hunger. You don't work, you don't eat. James says that. Proverbs 24, the sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek a harvest and have nothing. You don't put forth effort, you'll have no crops to get you through winter when you need them. 21, 25, the desire of the sluggard kills him for the hands refuse to labor. Laziness, Proverbs says, leads to death. You can't be lazy in Vermont. You'll freeze in the winter, right? <laughs> It's hard to prepare, but it's even harder when it's colder to do the work that you need to do to survive for winter. But when the work is accomplished, right, there is a lot of joy. When that last stack of wood is just perfectly lined up or the project is sent to management or those who have to do inventory, when that is done for the year, redeeming work, friends, is still hard or redeemed work is still hard. Whether you're a kid, you have chores, or you have to go to school, or you have a job, or if you're retired with housework, or maybe volunteering, or whatever you do, we still are called to work. And understanding this, Christians, we should be the hardest workers in whatever area we give ourselves to labor. Laziness should not be characteristic of us. We should work harder than anyone because God worked for us in our salvation and put forth effort since we were not willing to put forth effort to begin with or we were unable to put forth effort. And now work has a greater purpose so that we can fulfill the cultural mandate that God has given to all people. So where would God have you consider putting a little bit more effort into your work? The character of work also changes with our redemption. Redeemed work should be honest work. In the fall, Satan and Eve, they both twisted God's word to make it false. They distorted the truth and we must fight for honesty in our work this side of redemption. Dishonesty is another abomination to the Lord. Telling the boss it took eight or 10 hours to get the project done when it really turned, took only eight so that you could get paid a little bit more, even though he'll never know because he wasn't there to watch. Or we've seen this with government agencies, right? COVID relief wasted, regulations deviated from, taxes evaded, obligations disregarded. Work that is redeemed is hard, but it should still be honest and consistent with our words and the words of Scripture. Proverbs emphasizes hard work. One famous passage is 1611. A just balance and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are His work. We wouldn't like it if we went to the grocery store and we saw on the tag that it's $5 a pound for whatever you want to buy. And we go put it on the scale and we see that it's 
five pounds, so it's $25. But you get home and you're like, this doesn't seem like it's five pounds, it's only three, but you paid for five pounds. We would not like that, right? Honest work sometimes pays just as much, if not more, than dishonest work. Sorry, let me rephrase that. Honest work sometimes doesn't pay as much as dishonest work. Honest work is not always easy, as dishonest work can be. But we want to hire the hard worker, not the lazy worker. We want their actions to line up with what the scripture calls them to do. We want to hire the honest person over the dishonest person, right? When I was a kid, my parents would tell my sister and I to go clean our room, right? Every kid's done this, right? You clean your room, you shove it all under the bed, you pull the covers down a little bit so mom and dad can't see it. But parents always know, right? They know, they're gonna go look, and hurricane mom would come in and pull everything out. And the work actually got harder because of the dishonesty. But friends, not just mom, the Lord knows everything that we are doing. Whether you're a kid with chores, or you have a job, or you're retired, and you're just doing stuff around the house, or volunteering, understand this, Christian. We should be the most honest workers in any of the things that we give ourselves to. We don't cut corners. We don't fudge numbers. We don't disregard our commitments. We don't ignore deadlines. Consider God's honesty. When he said in Genesis 3.15 that he would send the seed of the woman to crush the head of the serpent, that he actually did it through his son. He said he will save us from our sins. He will. And so we should be honest and keep our obligations because that's the model that God gives us to model in our work as well. So friends, where may God want you to put a bit more honesty in your work? Work is hard. It requires diligence. It should be honest and redeemed work should also be honorable. And honor comes with some pay, some recognition. Proverbs eleven sixteen. a gracious woman gets honor. This word can also mean pay. And a violent man gets riches. You see this contrast. A man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. The wicked earn deceptive wages, but one who sows righteousness gets a sure reward. Don't we want honor that lasts? Proverbs twenty two twenty nine. It's positive. Do you see a skillful man in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. And also honor prioritizes our work. 24, 27, prepare your work outside. Get everything ready for yourself in the field. And after that, build your house. So before you get a driver's license, we've learned recently, as Kenzie has her permit, uh, you have to get your permit. You have to do 40 hours of driving. You have to go to this class, drive to Rutland every day, which we were glad we're not doing anymore. But you have to get things done. You have to prioritize that before you can go take your driving test and you can then go get behind the wheel. If you don't do those things, there's no such thing as a license that you'll get, right? Until you're 18 or whatever, you take a test. Prioritizing our work is honorable. 
like the young man in this parable who prioritizes his own household management, building your house to then go take care of other things. And redeemed work should, or is hard, but it should produce honest and honorable work. And so whether you're a kid, doing chores, you're going to school in a couple weeks, you have a job or you retired, just working around the house or volunteering, we are still called to work. And understanding this, we as Christians, if you haven't caught on, should be the most honorable workers in the things that we give ourselves to. We do the right things. We even let others get recognition for our work. Remember Jesus, he did that, right? He counted equality with himself, not a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, becoming a servant for us so that we can be honored by God. He worked when we didn't want to work so that we would receive that honor, giving up all that he had in heaven so that we could spend an eternity with our God. And we can model that too. So where would God have you consider putting a little bit more effort and honor into your work. Finally, redeemed work should be holy work. Proverbs 10, 15 to 16. A rich man's wealth is a strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. The wage of the righteous leads to life and the gain of the wicked to sin. Work should not be wicked. Resources aside, right or wrong, or sorry, this is not a word that's in there. Resources aside, whether you're rich or you're poor, whatever you have, it doesn't make one more or less holy. There is no divide of secular and sec, uh, secular. Everything that we do is sacred. We don't say, well, on Sunday I come to church. That's my sacred work. And on the other five days after that, Monday through Friday, is my secular work. No, it's all sacred. All of our work should be holy. We prioritize God's order. Remember, that was before the fall to exercise dominion over creation. And the phrase, what would Jesus do, is actually a good thing to consider here. Holy work obeys what the Bible says to do. Jesus would obey the Bible. And so it's okay to ask that question. Even the unredeemed can be honest, can do honorable work. But look at Proverbs 20, verse 10, or I'll read it for you if you don't want to turn there. Unequal weights and unequal measures are both alike an abomination to the Lord. The redeemed don't want to dishonor the Lord. The redeemed don't want to disregard God's holy word. Holy work puts forth effort towards faithfulness because God tells us to, and we trust him with fruitfulness. The promotion may go to someone else. The higher paying job might not be yours, but the Lord is pleased with holy work that obeys the scripture because he is a treasure. His word is a treasure, more than any treasure this world can provide for us. And that's for stewardship, like we talked about last week, where God is glorified in our work, giving him praise, giving him what he is due as we ultimately work for him. Our job is faithfulness, friends. God's job is fruitfulness. We trust him with the results. Proverbs 11 says this, 24 to 31. One gives freely, let grows all the richer. 
another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. The people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on him, on the head of him who sells it. Whoever diligently seeks good seeks favor, but evil comes to him who searches for it. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Whoever troubles his own household will inherit the wind, and, which is impossible to catch, and the fool will be a servant to the wise of the heart. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. If the righteous is repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner. Paul told the Colossian church, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so we work with honesty and honor, trusting God to produce fruit. Redeem work sees to follow the creation mandate, to be fruitful and multiply, to subdue the earth, to extend the blessings of Eden, to extend the blessings of the church to a lost and dying world around us. We get to do this first in the church as discipleship, where spiritual gifts are given to serve the body, to build up the body, not so that we look awesome, but so that the body of Christ is built up as we work here, as we serve here. Having been served by God, we get the privilege to serve others. If you aren't serving in the church, you're missing out just as much as we are missing out in your service to us. So where would God have you consider maybe taking a step of faith and serving this body of Christ? Holy work also means that we show mercy. We love each other and the world around us. We are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And our neighbor as ourselves. There's a reason why it's on the wall that everybody sees it every time they walk into the building. We are to love even our enemies. Proverbs 25, 21. If your enemy is hungry... Give him bread to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. Our love, I mean, our work is to love others and love God. And the Shabbat is God's example to show this in his created order, right? The seventh day, he made it holy. He didn't need to rest, but we will need to rest. He made the seventh day holy. And I love to get things done. Maybe you do too. I was reading a book by an author. He used to be a pastor here in Vermont, and he made the joke that Vermonters love to work their five days a week and finish their work so that they can continue to work on their days off of splitting wood and hiking up a mountain or working in the yard, right? We all, I think, in some sense, we love to work. But the Sabbath is not about idleness. It's not about just sitting around, doing nothing, because Aaron said I'm not allowed to. It's about holiness. It's about mercy. And Mark 2, this took place. One Sabbath, Jesus was going around through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you ever read what David did? When he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the Pharisees, which is not lawful for any but the high priest to eat. And he also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. 
So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for us. The Sabbath was made to remind us that we are not God. He is. And after our work is redeemed, it's still hard, right? It's still, to be honest, honorable and holy. We aren't God, so we need to rest. And when we rest, we acknowledge, I'm not God. He is. And that's a holy posture to have. When we don't rest, it shows I'm really trying to be God. And we don't act like the Jews where we rest on a Saturday. We rest on a Sunday. We celebrate because it's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Some of us need to rest a little bit more. It's more holy. You need to rest. Not with idleness. What is restful to you? I love going outside and working in the yard. Like, that's restful to me. But it's still some work. And I think that's okay. But some of us do need to rest with reflection and worship to be here on a Sunday, to gather with God's people, to invite folks maybe even over after the service. Continue to worship together. Take the day maybe a little slower. Trying to Sabbath each day is a good thing. Go to bed a little earlier. Wake up a little bit later. Tomorrow we'll have more work for you to do. I guarantee it. So you can trust that tomorrow will still be there and you'll have a long list of things to do. But Sabbath is a holy approach to trusting God where God is in control. He saved us from our sins by the grace of Jesus' work on our behalf. He didn't give up. He didn't rest from his work to bring about the salvation that he said he was going to do. So how would God have you consider resting some more, to trust him a little bit more, to uphold the universe, which we can't really do, but he can the Pharisees gave Jesus another objection in Luke 14. One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and the Pharisees, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. And when he took him and healed him and sent him away, he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him up? And they could not reply to these things. The Sabbath is to remind us that we are not God, but it's also a means by which God gives us opportunity to show mercy. Holy work should be reconfigured to serve those inside and outside the church. It's the most important thing we can do. The most merciful thing we can do is to share the gospel with those who desperately are dying in their sins. To share the grace of Jesus Christ. His death, his resurrection, and the gift of new life that he provides for those who believe the gospel. Nothing in this world is free accept our salvation. There's nothing we can do to bring about. It's a work of God accomplished with diligence and endurance. We did nothing. And now we who believe the gospel are a new creation, redeemed, looking for a new heaven and a new earth. We must put forth hard work according to the scriptures to share the gospel with each other and the world around us and be merciful because we all need mercy. And this is honorable and holy work.
God's people were created to work before the fall. The fall distorted it, and redemption makes work again purposeful. It makes work possible. And in heaven, we will work some more. And that shouldn't be a bummer, right? Because we'll have no sin. We'll enjoy all of our work. We'll enjoy serving one another. We'll enjoy serving God. We'll rest from our weary labor and toil, as it says in Revelation 14. But we will still serve the Lord Jesus Christ, and we will do it perfectly in Revelation 23. So why not practice now as a church? Where would God have you serve Him? Why not serve others to invite them into this church family so that we can all serve the Lord together? I'm talking about those who might not be Christians. This is holy work. And so who might you consider sharing the gospel with even this week? Heaven's where our redemption is finally complete. There will be no more pain as a result of sin. In the fall, we will no longer return to the dust. We will get to worship our King and serve Him. And that's our main work and always has been initially created in heaven. Then we will do it perfectly. And so we get to practice that and we get to work together to do that today. And our work is to love God, love others, and make disciples. So what's holding us back? Let's not wait. Let's go do that each and every day, okay? Father, we thank you for your abundant grace and mercy for working our salvation. And even as you call us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, God, it oftentimes seems like a significant burden and an impossible task, something that we cannot accomplish. But we trust in Paul's words as he continues, for it's the Lord at work within us, both to will and to work for your good pleasure. And so God, as we trust you, as we believe you, as we desire to serve you and honor you, God, we look forward and we ask for your grace to give us an affection for holy work and honorable work and honest work as we continue to put forth effort knowing that you have earned everything for us. As we sang some songs in the first part of our time together of all the things that Jesus has accomplished for us, he has paid our wages. God, we want to rest in that and we want to worship you because of that. And we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen.